welcome to a very special, extra super duper important episode of You Need to See This, a film podcast about filling in the gaps of our collective cinematic experience. I'm Luce Tomlin Brenner, and I'm joined by <laughs> two co-hosts today. It's true. One of them's me. Hi, Cozy. Uh, the, other the other one, one is me, Pete. Oh my God! Yay, Pete! From back behind uh, the soundboard, you're in front of the microphone again. I love it. I'm I'm back, 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 and taking advantage of this uh, new audience I have. <laughs> yes, hooray! <laughs> well, the three of us are comedians, writers, filmmakers, musicians, and most importantly film lovers. Uh, Each week we pick a film that one of us has seen and one of us has not seen. Then we try to convince you, sweet, beautiful listener, that this movie is worth your time. We cover everything from uh, disturbing sci-fi thrillers to how did you miss this blockbusters? And we do it all with no spoilers except for today. (laughs) That's right. Today you get all the spoilers. Bad news. So if you haven't seen this movie, this is not the one to listen to. (laughs) Yes, unless you want to know how it ends, because we are actually going to really dive into this movie today, because uh, today is my very last episode of You Need to See This. (laughs) It's true. We're going to miss you so much. No. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I am leaving to, I have a lot of opportunities to keep making uh, DIY independent films and I am running out of time. And as much as I love working on this, I just, uh, it's been a chaotic for me to to do this and filmmaking. So I'm very sad to be leaving because these were two of the best two years, guys, two of the best years I've ever had. (laughs) So much fun. Yeah. No, go make things that we can talk about on this podcast when you're gone and be like, everyone needs to see this movie. By the way, guess who made it? (laughs) Yes, please. I would love that. So just like Cozy said, this podcast isn't going anywhere. Cozy is going to take over the helm and there's going to be a new co-host yet to be uh, decided, TBD, and uh, some new guests, and I will Jen definitely... Aniston. Jen Aniston. Oh. Jen Aniston. Jen Aniston. Um, listen, Jen she Aniston. did not want us to disclose that yet, Pete. Um, <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Now we're gonna lose her. I can't. Believe I'll cut it out later. I'll cut oh, it out. Oh, thank later. God. Okay. Oof. Close one. <sighs> that was such a close call. I just can't lose another A-lister. <laughs> I know. They're so hard to come by as it is. <laughs> yeah. It's like very skitterish, you know, like if you try to get a, like a bunny, like trying to feed a bunny. That's like oh, trying yeah. to get an A-lister on your podcast. It's true. You have to hide behind some brush and you have to put up your binoculars and you have to be very, very careful. Mm-hmm. Put a, a trail of carrots out. Oh, Jennifer Aniston loves carrots. Carrots and smart water. Yes. That's That's what she's known for. (laughs) Um, Everybody knows that about Jennifer Aniston. Uh, It's so true. (laughs) So she and David Schwimmer really dated during Friends. Did you know that? No. Is that new information? That like came out when they did that reunion special. They like legit had like a little flirty thing. Oh, I love that. How could you not? You're kissing all the time. I know. (laughs) I yeah. just, I know like it's acting, but like kissing is kissing. We've all got bodies and hormones. Like Chemi- chemicals exciting. are in there. Yeah. It's true. Like, I, you One know, never I knows. dated my, my uh, high school crush who was Kaniki in Greece and I was Rizzo and we had several kissing scenes. <laughs> wow. And 
both of our uh, boyfriends and girlfriends, people that we were dating when we were in the play, both broke up with us. <laughs> oh, no. And then we were like, fuck them. We'll just date. <laughs> <laughs> that good timing. Uh, chemistry and timing. That's what it's all about. I mean, the timing was because everybody was like, oh, my God. They won't stop kissing during rehearsals. But our director <laughs> wanted us to do it. So we have to. It's about making it look real. It did have to look realistic. We had really good chemistry. I don't know what he's doing now. I can't find him anywhere. Last time I saw him, he was working at um, Texas Roadhouse. Mm. Mm, but what that if, was like in 20, oh, 2006. What if he just went on to do a bunch of other productions of Grease until he found his wife that way? Oh, my God. <laughs> I would be a little devastated but also sort of flattered because I would have kicked it off. Mm-hmm. That's right. Someone's got to yeah. start it. Yeah. <laughs> I started the fire. <laughs> um, it was, that was a really special time. And we were really the, the – the, what would it be? Jen did Davenfer? <laughs> go together. <laughs> the real time creation of a new couple name. <laughs> David. <laughs> it doesn't work. There's a reason it didn't, you know, last for a long time. True. Very fair. Very fair. Well, well what were the what were the two character names? Uh, uh, Rachel and Ross. Ross and Rachel. Oh no, I mean for the from Greece. Oh, uh, Russell. Russell. <laughs> oh, oh, sweet little Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a hedgehog. <laughs> Cute. Uh, in Greece, it's Rizzo and Kanicki. Oh yeah, you could be Renicki. Oh well, definitely we would have had. It. I I, I could have been like Bryce. Yeah, that too. Luce. Bryce. <laughs> Bryce. That's like my Bryce. name. I feel like. <laughs> oh, this is very true. Um. All right, you guys, listen up. We will announce soon who the new host is. It could be Jennifer Aniston. It could be David Schwimmer. It could be both of them, and then they kick Cozy off, and then it becomes the Gen- Genovid podcast. <laughs> it's very possible. But today, we still have one episode left in us, and we got Pete here, and so the three of us are going to talk about a movie that we have been <laughs> dying to talk about for the last two years. It's come up many times on many episodes. Yes, and, uh, and, also, and also after that, we're going to do some reminiscing, so if you want to miss spoilers but hear about us reminiscing and being adorable, skip ahead, and then you will hear that. Yes, you will get to hear about what our favorite episodes were and our favorite guests and favorite silly moments. So we will reminisce at the end. But first, we must discuss a very important film to me. Uh, I know it's very important to you guys as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Garland's Annihilation. And Annihilation. Audience, you guys need to see this. Everybody out there in listener land. It's true. You so have to. It's so good. You uh, need this to movie, see it. You need to. Um, this movie came out in 2018. It was directed and written by the incredible Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina before this and uh, since then has done the really absolutely flawless, perfect TV show Devs on FX. You can watch it on Hulu. Uh, the movie stars Natalie Portman, Oscar Isaac, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, Tessa Thompson, uh, Gina Rodriguez and an actress whose name I'm not sure how to pronounce. Tuva uh, Novotny. Is that correct? I assume so. Oh, great. I, have, I wasn't <laughs> familiar. She's the only person I wasn't familiar with. 
Um, yeah, same. Okay, great. Tuva Novotny. Wonderful. <laughs> um, so I am not going to do a synopsis right now because I'm going to do a long I'm going to do a long rundown of the movie and we're going to discuss it, which is something we've never done before. Uh, which I'm really excited to kind of go through the whole plot of the movie all together. So before we get into that, I want to hear when you guys what your experience is, your history is with Annihilation when you first saw it, your your quick takeaways before we get into the meat. Nice. Let's start with Pete. Oh, yeah. So I saw Annihilation in theaters when it came out. So you said 2018. That sounds about right. I saw it with um, a good buddy who I like go and see movies with or used to go see movies with. He lives in D.C. now. Um, mm. But um, But yeah, it was like our thing was like we would smoke weed and go see a fun trippy movie. So, you know, oh, very trippy. This was, this was the pick for the day. And we both like walked out just like stunned by what we saw. It's just like one of those movies that like, I don't know, left me speechless walking out of the theater for sure. Yes. I, I watched it also when it came out in the theater, I saw it with Isaac. Uh, we saw it at the Americana, uh, RIP, the Pacific Theaters, although Pacific Theaters was just bought by AMC. So I think they're going to reopen at the Americana and the Grove. Like a fiery phoenix. They yes. already opened at the Grove again. <laughs> Very exciting. The Grove is back. Oh, the movie theater's back? Hell yeah. Oh, awesome. Oh, wow. oh, well, then maybe it's back at the Americana. This is old news, folks. I thought I was <laughs> on the cutting edge, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no one's cool anymore. Jeez. Um, well, I saw it at the Americana, and it, it struck me. I was not speechless. I was, like, full of speech after. <laughs> I was, like, I could not stop. I, like, cried through the credits. I, like, blathered on about it all the way out, and we – Saw it in like the afternoon and then I I think I just like burped through my word there. Sorry. (laughs) 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 Um, We saw it in the afternoon and I had to like stop at Sephora afterwards to pick something up. And I was just like all teary and like talking about depression (laughs) (laughs) and mental illness. And I like went to Sephora and I'm like, I'm looking for an eyeliner. (laughs) 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 I'm out of eyeliner. (laughs) Help me. And so this girl was like helping me with the stuff I needed. And then she was like, what did you guys see at the movie theater? And I was like, oh, buckle in. And then I like <laughs> described the entire movie to her and was like, you absolutely have to see it. It's phenomenal. So I did my first episode, uh, if you need to see this, a practice one on that girl at Sephora three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Did she give you, did she give you five stars? You know, I don't know. I gave her five stars, though. I liked, I like, they're always like, rate us how we did. And I used to work at Sephora, and I know that they like take those ratings into account when like, oh, of how course. You're doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, this girl's great. She listened to me talk for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we could give the entire audience five stars for listening to us, we would. We would. We do. Um, it's just you guys don't have like a whole complex system set up. But yeah, develop a rating system. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, this is on you, really. Uh, <laughs> on the entire audience, it's true. Um, so, yeah, the first yeah. time I saw it. Tell me about it. 
I would love to. Um, so, yeah, the first time I saw this movie was at some kind of movie theater uh, in 2018 when all these amazing movies were coming out. That was like the year of good movies for me. Um, previous ones we did on the podcast include Eighth Grade and the Suspiria remake because 2018 was fucking great. That was a good um, call. Yeah. It, wow, yeah. yeah. What a year. The, yeah, they all just kind of came together, and I don't know how it happened. I was like, okay, I guess I'm seeing a lot of ones I'm remembering this year. That's new. <laughs> and I remember being like, oh, this was cool. This was a cool movie. It was interesting. It was kind of weird, nice. And then I saw a thread from a bunch of comedy people at the pack talking about it and, like, breaking it down. And I got real deep in the comments just reading it and being like, oh, wow. And then I, like, went and watched a video, and I was like, oh, shit. This was like one of the first movies I did that with where I sat down and like did research to see what the shit was all about, how insane it was. And I was like, oh, this was a really, really good movie. Oh, that's awesome. Well, great. You'll have to pepper some of that in as we're talking. I have forgotten most of it, but I will see what I can do. All right. Well, maybe some of it will come back up for you. <laughs> yeah. When I was doing a rewatch today, some of it definitely did, so... Okay, good. Well, typically in these episodes, we each give five reasons why the audience needs to see the film. But today, we wanted to get so deep into it as a celebration of film and our friendship and this whole podcast that we're eschewing our typical five reasons to get into all the reasons why we love this film. And um, I just want to let's let's do a little rundown. So uh, this movie. Can I just? Oh, pop yes. in for a second and say, pop it. I love that you use the word eschew for <laughs> anybody who missed that. Like that was so huge. Like I never <laughs> hear that in regular day conversation. And so I just wanted to put like a lantern on that moment. Nice. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I love that word. So <laughs> watch me use it like 10 times now. Like, total narcissism. <laughs> that, that was me and redound. Like redound to your benefit the other day. I was like all about redound. Oh my God. It reminds me of a, that old kids in the hall sketch where the guy has like the word a day calendar and he can't stop using the words at work. And he like the boss brings him in. Uh, <laughs> all, the, all the other dock words workers aren't okay with you talking about this. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, that's great. Oh my gosh. I, I really relate. Um, All right. Well, Annihilation is a fascinating tale of uh, mental illness, doppelgangers, uh, hunting for what's really out there, what is meaning, what is connection to each other, like what are we, what is really being connected to each other mean, and who are we when we get down to it? You know, really simple, chill questions. (laughs) Yeah, it's a popcorn movie. (laughs) Yeah, so popcorn-y. I was like, when I put it on for the rewatch, I was like, okay, I have a couple of things I need to get done before we hop on to record, so I'm going to do those and have this on in the background, and it was (laughs) like, nah, bitch, like, (laughs) uh, sucked me in, um, immediately. So this movie uh, opens with Natalie Portman, who is our lead. She plays uh, Lena. She's a doctor. She teaches at John Hopkins Medical. Uh, she teaches at the college. She teaches doctoral science. I don't know. Medicine. Yeah, cellular division something. Yes. <laughs> cancer. She does uh, cancer research. And it just really opens up right away with sort of like the 
theme that's going to keep coming up again and again in the film, which is a single organism alone in the universe. Everything starts with one single organism in the universe. And then <laughs> the rhythm uh, of the dividing pair, it just divides and divides and divides, divides forever and ever continuously. And I hadn't rewatched this movie in a little bit. And I did not remember that how consistent this theme is and how many times they hit that theme throughout the film. And I was mm -hmm. really impressed with uh, the idea of both isolation and loneliness and the uh, constant like need to recreate and change and be something new and, and the connection that that requires. How does that resonate with you guys? Uh, very much in a variety of places. <laughs> so many spots. I mean, ridiculously amount of spots from like the from like um, losing somebody to uh, sort of uh, splitting up as a as a team inside the shimmer to just like so many spots. Oh yeah, definitely. We'll get into all of that too. So right. Um, <laughs> basically. Uh, she she has this interaction with a with another teacher there and it it feels weird it feels tense she's clearly very upset we see her at her house painting her room and just grieving and we're like oh she's lost somebody her husband is gone what happened it's a mystery but then he shows up the husband is there the husband's played by Oscar Isaac and he, there's something off about him uh this scene really reminded me of um, ooh, something else I watched recently where somebody comes back and they're not the same. And now I can't remember it. Oh, I have it written down. Um, I find mm -hmm. this scene to be like very disturbing because she's hugging him and kissing him and she's so happy that he's home. It's been a whole year and he's not really getting her any, he doesn't match her enthusiasm at all. And it feels really scary uh like something's really wrong yeah he's just like sort of has this nothingness uh, affect to him this sort of shell-shockedness a little bit and uh is just not forthcoming with any information you see her getting frustrated but then kind of realizing that something's up right it is a military mission so it's like you know this guy who knows what he could have seen hmm. uh then he starts coughing up blood and the ambulance comes. She's with him in the ambulance. And then all of a sudden, the ambulance is totally headed off by men in black. So I would say within 10 minutes, we're in a sci-fi movie. <laughs> yeah. And then Will Smith is there. And then yeah, Harvey Keitel. It was, it was shocking. This is a mashup Wait. film. <laughs> um, yeah. No, uh, she winds up on a base uh, called like Project X or Base X, Location X. So very mysterious, and she is in a prison uniform looking like. She starts throwing up in this weird little cell that she's in, and Jennifer Jason Lee shows up and is also being cagey and asking her questions, and they start kind of, you know, getting back and forth at each other, riddling each other, and it, she reveals that her husband went into the shimmer and the shimmer I'm obsessed with. I think it's beautiful. I recently saw somebody on Letterboxd compared it to like Microsoft Paint and it made me very angry and I unfollowed them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love MS Paint though. Uh, this was a disrespectful. This person was like, oh. 
comparing it in a bad way. This person doesn't understand how great MS Paint is. Therefore, they are <laughs> they deserve to be rejected immediately. Also, why did I say Harvey Keitel instead of Tommy Lee Jones? Good questions. Oh, was Harvey Keitel not in Men in Black? That's I seems as, like I <laughs> it's yeah, it's that's I think that's where I was pulling the he. It seems like he could have been feeling of it, but Tommy Lee Jones is who I was at least thinking of. Anyway, synopsis. <laughs> yes. Well. Okay. So. Uh, the shimmer is this, a meteor hit a lighthouse. Uh, we don't know where we are, uh, but it's a coastline. There's a swamp, a meteor hit a lighthouse, and then the shimmery dome erupted around it. And the dome has been growing and expanding and eating everything in its path. And every group of military men that they've sent in have never come out. No one's ever come out of the, sh- the shimmer. Oscar Isaac Natalie Portman's husband is the very first person to come back, and he is in total organ failure. It's true, so. yeah, spitting up blood and everything. He was even having like a big old spit up blood seizure, and I was like, this is not how I normally have seizures. This is a blood seizure, not a fan. Yeah, it was really gross. Um, <laughs> I am really scared of uh, people coughing up blood. It really distresses me. It's not a good time. Uh, I remember uh, coughing up blood myself uh, in, uh, I think, second grade when I fell off of some kind of play equipment. Oh, God. Okay. Well, I'm so sorry that happened. (laughs) It's my own fault, honestly, but thank you. You know, I was trying to, you know those giant rings? Not yes. not like yeah like not like not like a uh, monkey bar style like rings where it's just like you're swinging from one to like giant crazy rings. I took a a a, a jump rope and I put it around one of the rings and I oh. guess tried to climb it that way, which mm-hmm. didn't work surprisingly enough. <laughs> oh poor dumb baby cozy. Oh, no. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Oscar Isaac is separated from Natalie Portman, and Natalie Portman uh, wants to see him, can't. She gets some real clothes. She starts learning more about the Shimmer. They're at this whole military base, and she's very curious about about this. It, it's a scientific anomaly. Jennifer Jason Lee is um, very, what would you say, like very straightforward, She's she's very straightforward, but at the same time not very forthcoming a lot of the time. She's a lot of a lot of questions, very psychologist, psychiatrist feelings, and then eventually gives up some data. But I would say like very sad. <laughs> like not a not like reassuring, not the kind of psychologist that you would want to open up to. Like oh, someone no, who seems yeah. like very having a really hard time. Yeah, it, it, it she kind of had like the military feeling of her too, or it was just like, I'm not going to give you any answers, but I am going to turn your questions around on you a lot. Yes, yes, definitely. But that uh, was so mostly in the interrogation-y parts. You know, she, she started giving up some info later once, once um, you know, once Natalie Portman was kind of more in. Yes, I think she wanted to know like why she wanted to be there and uh, yeah. uh, two scientific women kind of interrogating each other, which I really liked mm. a lot because uh, this is a movie about scientists and all of the characters are women except for Oscar Isaac, who we mostly see in flashbacks. And he ain't no scientist. No, he's uh, an art, a military guy. Mm-hmm. So... It was really exciting. I honestly can't think of another movie that exists that is all women scientists. Honestly, same. 
right? Okay, so let's. That's the number one thing that uh, if I was doing, you need to see this. Uh, this is like <laughs> a reason for me why you need to see this movie. Mm. Um, really interesting characters that uh, really have not been done before in any other movie or in the time since this was made. So yeah. while while they're at this base, uh, Natalie Portman's character Lena meets three other characters. Uh, Gina Rodriguez's character, Tessa Thompson's character, Josie, and uh, Tuva Notovi's character. Novotny. <laughs> Novotny character, Shepard. I don't remember what Gina Rodriguez's character's name was. I also don't, but you know what does? IMDb does. IMDb okay. remembers, just like great. Pepperidge Farm. Uh, Anya Thorinson. Anya. Okay, great. So uh, we've got the doctor, the psychologist, Anya, Josie, and Shepard. And they are all kind of trying to get to know each other. There's a weird feeling in the air. Just like this whole movie, there's like something is happening, something is going on, and you don't know what it is. And that's one of my favorite vibes in a movie like the just the mystery, the underlying mystery of it all. Um, I'm so anxious to figure out what's going on. And that's really how all the characters feel too. And it's, I think it's fun to be in the, to have the same amount of knowledge that the characters have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. To, to have things revealed to you in the same way at the same time and all that. Absolutely. Um, so we find out that the next group of people going into the shimmer are these women and Natalie Portman wants to go. So they all, they suit up. Uh, and they're all kind of dressed like Ghostbusters, which I love. And oh yeah, that scene. <laughs> it's so great. And then they, the shimmer, basically it looks like a bubble. Like, uh, you know, if you blow bubbles, like when you're a kid, that like clear, but rainbow prism, uh, that's exactly what it looks like. It's like a giant dome bubble over everything. And it's really pretty. I mean, I love the shimmer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're in there for not very long when they wake up and suddenly they're getting out of tents and we don't, we never saw them set tents up and they themselves don't know what's going on because they did last memory they had was walking into the shimmer and they lost what seems like several days based on how many rations of theirs was gone. And they're already kind of starting to feel like they're losing their minds a little bit. And the two theories that they had going in, what happened to people was that either something inside the shimmer killed them or the people who went in lost their minds and killed them each other. So we're already kind of getting a taste of that with how fuzzy time and memory is for our characters. Um, everything in there is very beautiful. It's very lush. There's lots of flowers. There's lots of interesting animals. For me, one of my favorite parts, another reason I would say why people need to see it, these freaking animals that are in this movie, mm-hmm. I love them. They're scary and dangerous, but they're also like really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do we yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh my God. Those like deer with the like flowers on their antlers are my favorite things. Absolutely. <laughs> they And they only come out once and that, I don't know, maybe in a lesser movie they would have kept trying to hit that note because they were so cool. But I think it's interesting that we only get a glimpse of each animal for a little bit. It makes it feel, I don't know, it continues the mystery and it doesn't oversaturate the visuals for the viewer. Yeah, things feel more normal the more you see them. It's true. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, And at one point, Natalie Portman is examining 
the, these flowers, and it looks like there's several different species of flowers on one vine. And she's like, this is scientifically impossible. They're all sharing vines and leaves, but these are distinctly different bear, uh, flowers. Like, how could this be possible? Uh, and then they interact with a terrifying alligator who almost eats Tessa Thompson's character. And they shoot it. They kill it. It's giant. It's white. And they open up its mouth, and it has teeth like a shark. Several different rows of teeth, teeth all the way back into its throat, like a very scary, like a horror movie kind of character. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay, great. Well, this isn't possible either. <laughs> Alligators don't have teeth like this. And they continue on their voyage. They stay the night at a location where there are lots of sounds. Everybody's pretty uncomfortable. As we're taking this trip, we are learning more about the characters. And it seems like their common through line is that they've all had a really rough time. Um, Natalie is going through grief with her husband. And for most of it, we are led to believe that the grief is over losing her husband and then you know, going through this trauma, not knowing if he's okay or not. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, I feel like her, I feel like her mental illness is really depression and loneliness and isolation. Uh, and then we find out too that she is dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. Leukemia. Yeah, Jenna. Uh, Wait, not know? leukemia. Leukemia was um, the daughter of um, Tuva Novotny. I can't remember what. Um, what kind of cancer Jennifer Jason Lee had. I don't know if they get into it. <laughs> they probably um, didn't. But yes, uh, Shepard's character's daughter died, so she's going through grief. Uh, and Tessa Thompson struggles with self-harm and suicidal ideation and uh, had attempted suicide in the past. And then Gina Rodriguez's character is uh, sober and struggled for a long time with addiction. So we don't get a ton of details about them, but this is sussed out like once we're already introduced to them and they're already kind of distinct characters. So I really like that while this is important to what happens to them, I like that it doesn't feel like their characters are defined by those aspects from the outset. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Does that, <laughs> does that resonate with you guys? I want to hear what you guys think. I'm trying to have a conversation with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're trying to figure out the right times to talk and the right times not to with the, with the, um, with the sort of going through the, the details of the, of the, of the yeah, plot. Yeah, no, jump, jump the, in. Jump yeah, in and talk. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah. nice to – oh, go for it. Yeah, no, no, no. I agree. Like, Luce, I feel like it really touches on – uh, the original thing you talked about, like reinvention and um, starting your life anew. Um, but each of these women is like faced with a particular obstacle um, that is basically asking them like a challenge if they can reinvent themselves. Um, mm. And it's sort of like manifested through these different like mental health struggles. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I find, I found that resonated with me too. Yeah. Oh, I love absolutely. that. I love the idea of reinvention, Pete. I actually hadn't thought of it in those, in, in that specific way. And I really love that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's interesting to see how, um, all of them, even, even though they're a team, even though they're sort of like a, a group going in together as like a, as a group, um, they all are in some ways forced to be, I don't know, I guess, I guess the fact that the shimmer reflects everything around themselves 
uh, is an interesting thing to deal with if you have, uh, if you're dealing with like mental health issues and things like that, because life kind of does feel like everything is reflecting your own mental health stuff back at you. Yes, totally. And, and what they just, Tessa Thompson's character discovers is that it's like not just reflecting, but it's a, the prism is also refracting. So it's, it's, it's piecing everything together. Uh, they, they discover that like everything, there's a bit of, um, human DNA in the flowers and, and people DNA in the animals and animal DNA in like the flowers. And it's all just like, being spliced together in a way that ends up being like very beautiful and also like very harrowing. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and we, we lose our first character uh, on their first night, their sleepover. Uh, and I, I think well, something I really love about this movie is that the ways we lose the characters really reflect their struggles um, without being really ham fisted. So the first night we lose Shepard, uh, they hear a noise. They're all out looking for what happens. And this terrifying bear just rips her out of her place and, like, throws her. And she disappears. And we hear her screaming, the bear attacking. We don't see all of it. Um, but I thought it was really interesting how, like, Shepard was ready to fight and was, like, was in there and wanted to do this, ex you know, exploring, figure out what was going on. And then this bear rips her out of it kind of the way in which when you lose someone unexpectedly somebody is like ripped from your life and you don't want to be feeling that it's just something that came unexpectedly and like changed your whole course of the rest of your life hmm. um yeah true I, I think that as we continue talking about the synopsis of the movie it would be amazing if you highlighted that every time we lose a character because i don't want to i don't want to tell everybody about all the characters dying now, but I do want to chime in and say how it reflects them with the other ones. Okay, great. Yeah. So, uh, this is really challenging for everybody. Obviously like finding, losing one of them is distresses them. Jennifer Jason Lee is the psychiatrist is really getting uh, meaner and uh, less empathetic and more like we have to get to the lighthouse. That's their goal. We have to get to the lighthouse, figure out what's happening. Why is this happening? And Natalie Portman comes across Shepard's dead body. She tells everybody about it. Um, Gina Rodriguez, we see her start to notice that she's seeing trails when she's looking at her hands. And she's getting a look in her eye where she looks like she's seeing things. Like yeah, not just trails, but it's, yeah, <laughs> like not just trails, but it looked like her lifeline or what or her palm lines were shifting. Mm hmm. Just yes. kind of interesting. Yes, very much what being on acid or mushrooms is like. Mm. Um, uh, so they get to uh, a new post uh, to spend the night, and they go to sleep. And, uh, oh, I skipped a part. Uh, they find, I was say, they get to a new post, and it's where uh, they see something has gone terribly wrong with the last group that went in there. They find a video that was left for them, and it's Natalie Portman's husband, Oscar Isaac, stabbing one of his, you know, cohorts with the army and like ripping him open, <laughs> like looking into their insides in one of the grossest scenes in the movie. Um, and then they go into that other room and they find this torso that has been like splayed across a wall with like beautiful like flowers and crystals and... Uh, the skull is being held to the wall with all of this 
bright colors. It's really grotesque and also really gorgeous. Yeah, I imagine that when they created that, they probably took a second to be like, holy shit, this looks so good. We did such a good job with this. (laughs) Yeah. It's an art piece, isn't it? (laughs) It looks like if you've ever seen Hey Arnold and Helga Pataki's like uh, altar to Arnold. Yes. It looks like Uh that. That is very good. That's a very apt comparison. Oh my God, that's so funny. I feel like it's something you get at like an oddities flea market. Like this is, you know, there'd be like the bat and like a tarantula, like all yes. of the like stuffed things. Yeah. And then it'd be like, oh, this torso with moss and flowers and crystals all exploded inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they they take this as confirmation that the last group lost their minds and like butchered each other. And Natalie Portman has not told uh, Tessa Thompson and Gina Rodriguez that that's her husband. She's kept that close to the fold. The only one who knows is the psychologist. And she's like, oh, crap, I really can't say it now because uh, <laughs> we just have him on camera seemingly killing somebody. Yeah. Um, so they get to their next uh, place where they're going to stay the night. And Gina Rodriguez is actively freaking out. And lots of like, I don't know what's real. I don't know who's who. And they, Natalie Portman wakes up to Gina Rodriguez yelling at her, dangling this locket in front of her that has Oscar Isaac's picture in it and being like, you lied to us, you lied to us. And then she hits her in the face with a gun and then they wake up and everyone's tied to a chair and Gina Rodriguez has this gun and she's threatening all of them and she's very manic and very like, Ah, uh, who's who? And that's, you're lying. And who can I trust? We can't trust anybody. We're all losing our minds. And to me, like very interesting, like uh, drug user behavior. Not to be super. That's a very generalized uh, thing to say, but very like um, if you've dealt with any alcoholics before or anybody who's like really just deep in the throes of that. To me, it feel felt very similar, and. There, she's kind of about to kill Natalie Portman's character because she doesn't think she can trust her. And then this bear barrels in. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen. I think this is the most upsetting part of the movie. Oh, what wait, you- wait, wait, though. But the bear doesn't barrel in, though, right? What happens is That's that, true. yeah, Gina Rod- Rodriguez hears the weird echoing voices of a uh, voice of Shepard who has been mauled by a bear before. And they're like, holy shit, Shepard is alive? Yeah, they then, hear her uh, screaming yeah. outside. Yes, yeah, right. like, that's important. Yeah, and so she goes out to check, and that's when she gets bared. <laughs> yeah, she goes out to check, and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's Shepard. And then uh, the girls are trying to wriggle out of the bindings, and then the bear comes in covered in blood, and we're like, oh, no, he's got he got her. And... They're all trying to stay still, and one by one, the bear, like, walks around, does not have a bear face, has a scary skull face. It's like a full bear skull with no bear attributes. Covered um, in blood, yeah. Perfect covered combo. Covered in blood. It's <laughs> horrifying. And then every time it opens its mouth to growl, it's Shepard's voice screaming. So it's uh, really unnerving. It really gives me chills every time I think about it. I think it's one of the scariest things I've ever seen in a movie before because it's just so tragic and also so abnormal yeah and it's unexpected. such a it's a very specific type of play on body horror where it's like um you hear a human voice out of an animal so it's sort of a weird take on that i guess because usually you expect body horror to be a human body that things are happening to 
but instead you hear a voice and a and weirdly mangled bear body. <laughs> yes. Yes. Everything is just so gross about it. And he, you think the bear's going to eat all of them, but then Gina Rodriguez struggles back in. She's covered in blood. She tries to shoot it to death, and then it officially, like, rips her whole face off in a very disturbing manner. Oh, yeah, lower jaw, because she's talking a lot, and everyone else was quiet. I, I was like, oh, wow, it's really responding to, like, sound and the voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that really interesting? Because like Natalie Portman's like, stay still. (laughs) And like them being quiet, nothing happened to the rest of them. Yeah, exactly. There was like that chance, you you know, the the bear was like slowly putting its jaws around, um, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Josie's shoulder, but then the like volume made all the difference. Mm Hmm. Really interesting. Um, Josie shoots the bear to death before it has a chance to kill Natalie Portman. And um, at the end of it, Jennifer Jason Lee's like, I'm out. I'm going to go to the lighthouse. I'm not doing this anymore. And leaves Natalie Portman and Tessa Thompson alone. Tessa Thompson was um, it's daytime now, and she's really taken by these structures of flowers that look like people, which, again, very beautiful. Um, and... We see her for the first time without her long sleeves on, and we know that she always wears long sleeves because she has attempted to kill herself by cutting herself, and she's, like, at peace. She seems, like, very calm, and there's a line here that I think is really interesting um, that she says, uh, sorry, I just want to make sure I get it right. I wrote it down. Um, she talks about how Jennifer Jason Lee's character wants to face what's in the lighthouse and Natalie Portman's character wants to fight it. And I don't want either of those things. And mm. then she like walks away and we see her cuts, uh, her recovered scars and like plant life is like growing out of them. Mm-hmm. And then Natalie Portman tries to follow her when she goes around the house. All she sees is all of these people made of flowers and that's it. Yeah, the speed at which um, you sort of see you sort of see her scars and you see her open cuts, and then the next scene you see maybe like one little tendril coming out of them, and then you see a ton, and then she's gone. Yeah, it, the speed of it was so specific. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to like talk about this moment because for me, this is the moment when I'm watching this movie. Um, first of all, it's a gorgeous moment like her disappearing Mm -hmm. into this like field of you know flower silhouettes of people but also writing wise for this movie this felt like a really abrupt shift for me Mm. it was probably it's probably like the part of the movie that kind of bothers me the most in terms of like pacing Mm. interesting i was just wondering if that if that like registered for either of y'all because it just felt like really like a sudden kill with um, Gina Rodriguez's character and then, um, you know, the one scientist goes off to the lighthouse and then the other one is gone. Like, it, it all just felt, like, really, really fast. Yeah, I can I can see that. It was interesting to see her kind of disappear very quickly instead of having the same type of dramatic death that the others had had or, or just leaving. Yeah, it was. I was like, oh, I wonder if she'll come back later. I wonder if this is a purposeful not kill. 
Right. I think it's really interesting. There is definitely a tonal shift there, Pete, uh, especially because this scene is so beautiful and the one before it was so graphic and horrific. And, uh, you know, this is a movie about, to me, I, I really like what you said about reinvention. I have always really seen it as a movie about depression and the ways in which it changes your mind and the ways in which it can envelop you. And I see Gina's, Rodriguez's character as somebody who went out like fighting, who like was not, who didn't want to, she saw that something was wrong and she wanted to get to the bottom of it, but she, she, she had like such chaos in her life and she couldn't figure things out, but she didn't want to stop. And it was just this big combustible, like it really mirrored like who she was and like what her struggle was. And, um, in the end, this really horrific death and it, was so shocking. And I, I think when people OD or when there's, you know, addiction related deaths are incredibly like shocking and, and brutal and, and suicide is as well. But I think there's something, I, th I think of her scene as less like suicide on the nose and more like letting go. And like, I don't know if you guys know anybody who's really just like given themselves over to depression and they're just like kind of a shell of a person. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And hers just made, it just made me think of that feeling of like giving up and being like, I'm not gonna. And that's why I think like what she says, like you want to face it. She wants to face it. You want to fight it. I don't want that. And like, she's so meek the entire time and she's so smart and she's so interesting, but she just like, it just felt like it was too hard for her. At that oh, absolutely. Point. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And especially seeing two people go down, you know, and it's like when you struggle with like depression, it's like you need there to be some lightness around. I do. I need people. I need a little bit of lightness when there's too much around me. It like is really hard for me to stay like, like even keeled, you know? Mm. <laughs> and so I kind of, I kind of projected onto Tessa Thompson's character that she was just like, I can't, this isn't, this isn't for me anymore. And kind of just gave herself over to it in like a, in uh, the way that people give themselves over to hard times. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the right read on it. Yeah. I actually am appreciating this moment more hearing, hearing the way that you perceive that. Oh, good. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, because like this, this is a sci-fi, there's a lot of elements of horror, but I really liked when I was watching it that it, I wasn't prepared for it when I went in to see it. I thought it was going to be so scary the whole time. And I really mm. liked that it wasn't. Oh Yeah. And Natalie Portman, um, throughout the movie, we have flashbacks to her and her time with Oscar Isaac, and we have flash forwards to her talking to, uh, doing like the exit interview after she is out of the shimmer. So you know that she survives it. Although I guess technically, since it starts in that flash forward, everything is just different levels of flashback. That's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah it was a really I cool architecture. Yeah, definitely. I love that because the whole movie is about like when they're in the shimmer, it's all about what is time. Yeah. And, and plus it's also, memory. yeah. And right. also because the, um, because it's being told as a story or related as a story throughout, you get that fun, unreliable narrator thing. It's really Natalie Portman's take on everything and who knows what's true and what isn't, what's, mm -hmm. what's actually remembered and what's not. 
Yes, yes, exactly. And um, it's interesting because there's uh, a point where she pushes everybody to keep going after Shepard's death. You know, the psychologist is like, I'm going to the lighthouse. And Natalie Portman's like, I think we should keep going too. We're two days away from the lighthouse and six or more days away from where we came in. So we shouldn't turn back. And it uh, flashes forward or flashes back to her exit interview where the the government guy is like, you were very assured about going forward, but you didn't know that was the way. And I really like the line that Lena says here. She says, I didn't know what going back meant. Oh, yeah. And I just thought that was imbued with so much interesting, like uh, emotional, emotionality, like lots of like, yeah, what, what does it mean in relationships if you're trying to reclaim something you once had, right? Because we also discover that she had an affair and that her husband may have known about it when he went off to take this mission. So can you ever go back? That's the thing, you know, when you get really nostalgic <laughs> or sad for another times, like, what does that mean? Can you ever reclaim that? Um, and she talks about not knowing what was in front of them, but it just seemed like the only way was forward. And I, you hear that a lot with like recovery and with mental illness is like, you just, the only way out is through. And yeah. it's interesting that she uses that similar language. And once you're consumed by something, it's hard to see where you came from at all. It's just kind of, mm. you're in it at that point. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Cause they're very consumed by the shimmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like, there's no reclaiming the old self. Like I, I just finished this great book. Um, it's called the body keeps the score and it's all about like trauma and how, have you read it? Lucy? Yes. Yes. It's so good. I love it so much. Oh, it's so good. Everybody should read it. Um, but like they talk about how, like when you suffer trauma or, um, yeah, I guess like when you suffer trauma, your brain like alters in a way that you know, you, you literally can't become the person you were before and your body registers it in a certain way. Um, and the only way through it is to like create new neural pathways and like neural new connections, um, like new grooves in your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I just like, I, I think about, um, I don't know, this movie, uh, has a lot, has a lot to offer like somebody who's, uh, trying to recover from trauma, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, and at one point in her exit interview, Lena says to the government official, you know, he's like, why are you the only one that's here? You know, very skeptical. Why did you survive? No one has ever survived. Why are you here? And she said, I had to come back and I'm not sure if any of them did. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I just felt like that was such a powerful statement and also like really chilling and just what that says about how fucking tough life is, you know? Yeah. Like, did, and also having, did, oh, hmm. But like, did, did she come back? You know what I mean? Like, oh, yes. that's, the, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yes, which I'm like really excited to get to that part too. But yeah. Cozy, first, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say she was the only one who had an anchor in the real world because none of them seemed like they had anyone else there. And I guess that says a lot about addiction too in terms of or addiction and mental health and stuff like that is having someone out there as a support net or a reason to a reason to fight things. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that's such a great point. Um, so Natalie Portman's alone now. Uh, the psychiatrist has made her way off to the lighthouse. Tessa has become plants, and Gina Rodriguez was killed by this bear uh, hybrid. And um, 
hardly any time passes and she's at the lighthouse. And the lighthouse is incredible. Uh, it is surrounded by fiberglass metallic trees that are very rainbowy and clear. They're kind of crystally, yeah. Crystally, yeah. Sharp but exciting looking. Um, Along with light- a bunch of bones. Yes, and lots of bones. It's a whole boneyard. Yeah, I was like, a lot of people made it here and became bones. Okay, cool, cool. Very foreboding for <laughs> boning. I was um, thinking it, and I'm glad you said it instead of me. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm very glad you did. <laughs> uh, once she's inside the lighthouse, the lighthouse is covered in what looks like veins uh, and branches or roots all the same color of the lighthouse, but very eerie. And um, there's a skeleton inside surrounded by soot and a camera. So she watches the video, which is like they've already, you've already watched one horrific video. And so she's like, hits play on the second video. And I just wrote in my notes, Natalie Portman's sadness. Because this scene, her face, Natalie Portman is so good at looking sad. I think she might be better than any other actress. Like, (laughs) the way she contorts her face and her eyebrows and her brow, like, she is just acting the hell out of this scene. Oh, she did a lot of them, definitely. What about Amy Adams, though? Oh, I mean, also I just so good being sad. That's true. <laughs> I would have loved to see Amy Adams in this movie, actually. I think it would have been Ooh. an interesting uh, to see her in a more dramatic role. But she is very sad looking in Arrival, which I liked quite a bit. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, so she's watching this video and she watches her husband kind of having a further breakdown again. And he is talking to the video and he's holding a grenade and he says, I thought I was a man. I had a life. People call me Cain. But now I'm not so sure. And a little more rambling like that. And then he says, this is a phosphorus grenade. If you've never seen one, they're very bright. And he sits down oh, and he pulls wait. up. There's a, yep. moment, there's a moment before that that happens too. Oh, yes. Tell I us. Hate, I do hate to cut you off. But, no, no, um, tell us. Yeah, there's a moment before he pulls the grenade out where he says, uh, he talks about Lena and mm-hmm. he says uh, something like, I want to tell her this. Uh, can I, like, something like, I need to tell her something. And someone, another voice from off camera goes, Yeah, I got to, I'll tell her or something like that. Some small yeah, he, piece of right. dialogue. He, he says, mm-hmm. Tell, go find Lena. And he's like, I will. Yeah, someone off camera says, I will. And, and then, then he pulls the grenade pin and she has to watch her husband kill himself. And then the person walks forward into the frame and then looks behind him very ominously. And there it's Oscar Isaac's face again. But, and but more now, specifically, mm-hmm. more specifically, it is Oscar Isaac, how he looks um, when he comes back from, from the shimmer and also Oscar Isaac, how he looked the day he left for the shimmer. He has yes. slicked back hair in a way that looks completely weird for, for the shimmer. And um, the, the Oscar Isaac who pulls the flash grenade on himself and kills himself has a weirdly Southern accent that we never heard from him in any other scenes in the movie. Yes. What do you guys make of that? I think that accent was so bizarre. I mean, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that that has to do with the unreliable narrator stuff of it all and, and who he became rather than who he was or this fixed version of him in memory as perfect with the slick back hair as opposed to who, who he actually was, which is kind of like only shown on a video. 
but never mm-hmm. actually shown in any other way. It's, it's how everything changed and how everything echoes. Yeah. I was wondering if there was somebody that he was with, uh, in the shimmer, one of his military cohorts that had a Southern accent. Oh, and then it became his. That's a good point. Yeah. What about what, did you? He, yeah, I buy that. Yeah, did he have that accent when he was cutting open the dude's stomach? Because if he didn't, then then that makes a lot of sense that it would develop. I don't remember. I remember that accent as being at the very end only. Yeah, I think you're right. He didn't have I don't think he had it when he was cutting the stomach open on video. So it's less about the veracity of video, or I mean the yeah, but and more about possibly the echoes. Nice. Okay. So Yes, she sees the Oscar Isaac with the slicked back hair, the doppelganger of how he looked like before everything started. And, you know, of course, she's uh, very upset about it. She hears talking and there's this uh, very ominous hole. I am of the belief that you should never follow a hole in a wall. (laughs) Uh, Yet she does. And the hole opens into this most like stomach lining, vaginal lining, except for that it's dark like obsidian and very metallic and she walks through this lined hole and then it opens up into again something that looks just like tissue on the inside except for that it's metallic but it looks like you're inside of an organism kind of and Jennifer Jason Lee is sitting there on this little dais in the middle going on and on and on about having to face this thing and how it's she says, it's not like us, it's unlike us. It'll grow until it encompasses everything. It'll encompass our bodies, our minds, and we will be refracted until we are nothing. Nothing about us will remain. And then she bursts into light. <laughs> oh, wait. Before that, though, she has no, she has a, like, no, no fa- like a weird half metallic face going on. She speaks in mm-hmm. another voice. And then, like, as soon as, uh, uh, you know, as soon as Natalie Portman comes in, she briefly reverts back to herself. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I think this scene is interesting because there's no doppelganger. There's just Jennifer Jason Lee going between being this metallic faced creature and then being herself again. Yeah. It's like more of a transformation than a doppelganger situation, which is very strange. Hmm. And I'm wondering too, like if we remember that this was the character who is terminal cancer and his been clearly the most isolated and alone of all of the other characters. Mm. And so I'm just wondering if it's like her, this light like bursting out of her. I think it's so interesting. I I actually don't have a firm takeaway from this scene. I think it's really arresting. She basically like opens her mouth and lights shoots out of her mouth and then swirls around the whole room and then out of her eyes. And then it, it's scary and beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Well, she was consumed by something for the entire time. It got like it grew and grew and grew, uh, both mm-hmm. in a cancer way and in a in an obsession way. And mm-hmm. it became too much for her. And that sort of explosion felt like the natural end of what mm-hmm. happens when you become obsessed with something. Consumed. Yeah, something and she. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, and she like solved the thing. Like she understands it. So like that last monologue, she's like kind of saying like, "Oh yeah, like I did the thing. I understand what it is." Yeah, and it also shows how useless that is sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting, cozy. I like that. Yeah, in the end, no obsessions really matter because you follow them to the end, and there nothing can really nothing they can provide can ever be as worth it as it seems like the entire obsession made it seem like it could be. 
Mm, yeah, she wasn't, nothing was solved. Like her cancer wasn't better. She wasn't relieved by the information that she found. She was almost, right. she almost felt worse. Mm. And, it, and I wonder, I, you get this feeling through, throughout that like this quest, like she has to know, she keeps saying we have to go to the lighthouse, we have to go to the lighthouse. And that there would be some comfort in, you know, revealing the ending and, and solving the riddle. And a lot of movies, you know, it's all about the ending. And when you get to the end, it's like, whew, well, that was great. Wrapped up in a bow and I'm comforted. <laughs> and it takes that away from you in that moment because there's no comfort in her discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is really chilling. <laughs> <laughs> that feels more realistic, honestly. <laughs> right. Well, and then the next thing that happens is really interesting. Um, everything is light. And it's this big orb. It's very similar to how the movie starts with a big orb of light. And Natalie Portman is transfixed by it. And her eyes are glowing as she's watching it. And it. tell me if this is how you guys read it. It seems to pull a little bit of blood from her skin. Like, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it definitely blood pulled that. from her? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the, and then immediately goes in, and the cells divide, and they divide, and they divide, and they divide, and then uh, a creature is formed, a a being uh, that is just kind of like a mannequin at like a trendy store with like <laughs> no feet, facial facial features. It's like all human, like. The head is there, but it's smooth and it's metallic and the arms and the digits are there, but there's no details. There's no skin. There's no clothing. It's all just like a smooth, futuristic mannequin. Yeah, it's like a daft punk Gumby. Yes. (laughs) Nice. You summed that up perfectly. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And she's immediately like, well, this is fucked and runs out of the hole uh, and it catches her. And she tries to fight it, and that doesn't work. She tries to escape, and it crushes her against the door. And she falls down out of breath, and it falls down. And it's mirroring. It's starting to mirror every single one of her movements. There are also points in that when she is unconscious, which is like leaving those interesting gaps of what's real and who is who at that point, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and... And the music at this point, oh, y'all, like, oh, it's so good. It's so, like, the synths are so brash. Like, it's really upsetting. <laughs> yes. The synth, and, you know, I this was the first time I watched it at home and not either at someone else's house or in the movie theater. And I have a note here where I said the sound design is massive. Uh, room <laughs> yes. filling, chair shaking, filled my entire body, which... I think it's really interesting because I don't have surround sound, but I remember being in the theater and being like, this fucking sound design in this movie is amazing. And the fact that that was recreated within my own home without sound, without surround sound, I was just like, fuck, this is good. This is the best fucking sound mixing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, so good. It's like trance inducing. Like it's very hypnotic, which I like because it brings you into as close to her mental state as you could maybe get at this point. Yeah. 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 And it's like, it's timed so well with the choreography because this scene is just so well choreographed. Oh, it's too. beautiful. Because um, they're yeah, kind of dancing. Yeah. yeah. Right? All the movements yeah. mirrored, everything is very dreamlike. Sorry, it was interesting. Oh, it's all good. Uh, yeah, it was interesting to see the moments where it was mirroring her and the moments where it was being aggressive towards her because 
Like there were moments where she was walking backwards and it was moving forwards instead mm -hmm. of also moving forwards when she did. So it was, mm -hmm. it was fun to split the hairs and see when it was making choices instead of trying to like learn her movements and feelings. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, what do you guys make of that? Because I, I don't know. I, I was trying to pick it apart again and cause I'm like, Oh, it's harmless. And it's like, no, it's not exactly harmless. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this, the, the, I mean, one read is, of course, that you're your own worst enemy in a lot of ways. And every time you try to fight something, especially uh, something that you don't want to face, uh, but you fight it in a different way, I guess you, uh, something you don't want to accept. Every time you fight it, you only come back at yourself with more force or that thing makes it harder for you in some way. And so the mm. moment where she accepted it felt like it mattered a lot more when she was running from it, it sort of hugged her against the wall so it can smother you when you try to run, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it, it just seemed like what happens when you try and fight inevitabilities. Um, interesting. Yeah. The smothering scene, I felt really intensely this, this watch. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Oh I'd forgotten about that. Because yeah. Yeah. the shot, it's this really, it's an extreme close up that has half the creature's uh, face and shoulders against Natalie Portman's face and shoulders against the the door that she's trying to get out of and her the blood trickling down her face and her eye which is you see the one eye darting around mm -hmm. yeah and, and see oh and, god you feel her terror absolutely and just uh the, the the it was interesting to see the thing mirroring her when it went down too Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when she stumbles. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly when both yeah. of the, when, whenever she woke up it was waking up with her. It wasn't oh. like I won. It was like I'm also experiencing this with you. Right. And, and yeah, yeah, like that she stumbled and then it stumbled. And it's like, okay, well, we're both stumbling. Can you at least help me not stumble? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the I'm gonna move on to the end unless you guys want to say anything else about that's that the dance, the doppelganger. I'm I mean, the only thing I want to say about this scene is like symbolically to me, this is the scene like where the old self shifts to the new self mm, and like that's the that's the dance that's happening right now and just like yeah it's just like this really beautiful encapsulation of like how hard it is to like really really commit to a change or mm. to like really really reinvent or like become this new version of yourself um but yeah it is it's this message I don't know if cozy you might have said this earlier but it's like yeah, the only way to become a new person is to like truly like say goodbye to the old person and just kind of like trust that the new version has like got it, you know? Ooh, that's good. Mm. I like that. That's so good. That's perfect, Pete, because she takes a page from her husband's book, uh, grabs one of the grenades and pulls it, pulls the whole hands it to her doppelganger and pulls the pin just as it's starting to form her own face. Yeah, because she really finally because she finally touched it with her fingers and that moment of well, you know, that's not true though cuz I guess because uh it was smothering her before so there was physical contact, but mm -hmm. maybe the intentional physical contact. Well, she punched it too, right? Or she attempted to. I don't yeah. know, it punched her successfully. Yeah. I don't know if she successfully punched it, but intentional physical contact in an acceptancy way seemed to make it become more like her. Yeah, when she held its hands. Yeah. It started to take on her facial features. Mm -hmm. And then 
she like pulls the pin and runs out of the lighthouse and it uh we see it catch fire and it's a weird moment because it's kind of sad <laughs> i think like Absolutely. I, I was really yeah. left with this like oh no and that's what i really love about one of the things i love about this movie is it's like not necessarily the antagonist. You were so scared a minute ago of what it was going to do to her and like how horrific the scene was going to be because you've seen so much horror and sadness. But then when it started to look like her and there was this interesting moment of maybe connection and then you see it, you see it stumble alone in the lighthouse on fire and it t- everything it touches is catching fire and it's like, oh, fuck. Like she just, she's, she did it. She's successful, but it was a sad sort of, yeah, she blew it all up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which again is kind of like what you, you know, you have to do is be like, I'm not doing this other, I'm not doing this other thing anymore. (laughs) Yeah. There's always a sadness Mm -hmm. to change. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're back in the, the scene that we keep jumping to, which is her exit interview. And he, the government official is like, well, what did it want? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and she's like, well, it was trying to destroy you. It was trying to destroy everything, which I thought was a really interesting, like, that's always what the government is talking about. Those are always our narrative around alien invasion movies is that they're coming here to kill us, which I've always found really fascinating and says way more about, like, Americans' interpretation of the other Oh yeah, and connection, and why would anyone reach out if they weren't trying to kill us? Like that's so so <laughs> paranoid, and it's so so cynical. And I like that he kind of they kind of gave that voice to the government official. And then Lena has this great line where it's I think is so powerful, and she says, "I don't think it wanted anything. It yeah. wasn't destroying. It was changing, making something new." Yeah. Hmm. And that's there's a couple more lines of dialogue that I'm going to say too because I think they're important. But that's like the that's really the wrap up of like that. I think that's the thesis of the film. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Totally agree. Um, and we see Lena go to see her husband and Oscar Isaac, and he's better. He's like not suffering from organ failure anymore. He seems okay, which is interesting. Because we now know that this is the doppelganger, or we think it is. We have a good, a good feeling that it could be. We don't yeah, really I mean, know, he, though, because he didn't burst into flames, you know? Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, something changed in him, but at the same time, he wasn't who he used to be, and he acknowledged it verbally, and it was very clear that he, like, kind of was empty a little bit in the same way that he was empty before that, even. Right. Well, so the final two lines of dialogue of the film, which I think are really interesting is she asks he she comes to him she hugs him she says you aren't Kane are you yeah he says I don't think so (laughs) and then there's like a beat and he says are you Lena and then that's our final line there's (laughs) silence and they hug each other and we see the shimmer in his eye and we see the shimmer in her eye and then cuts to very beautiful colorful psychedelic credits mm-hmm. Ex- exactly like the exactly like the video for thriller <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so similar to thriller mm-hmm. every um, single way <laughs> <laughs> good dancing 
<laughs> Yo, the dance scene in this movie. I didn't God, bring it up because I didn't amazing. think my words would really be able to sum it up. <laughs> the part in the YouTube where a- dance scene annihilation. <laughs> yeah, very different from the ex machina dance scene. <laughs> <laughs> Which I will remember um, forever. <laughs> So I love this ending so much. I think it's so powerful and it like, it's like stuff is something's like coming up for me now or just like the same as when I watched it where I was just like, oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) living is so hard. And I feel like this is a movie about how difficult it is to be alive, to be a creature in our difficult universe. Oh yeah. Anytime any movie deals with trauma effectively and successfully, it's going to have to have that as a lesson, I think. Yeah. And it's also very hopeful, which you don't see in a lot of movies about trauma. My biggest issue with horror movies about trauma now is that they're so nihilistic and they're so crushing. And I, I liked Mm. it with hereditary, but then every horror movie since hereditary has been trying to do that in a way that just makes me feel really empty and sad and like not hopeful, which like I need to feel hopeful to like, you know, battle my own battle successfully. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. And so I really love that. Like, I, I love that they both survived. They both went through this horrible thing together. They had, they weren't doing so well before this happened and they acknowledged that this, the trauma in their relationship changed them. The trauma of this mission changed them. But they're like, they're new people now. And I and the fact that they hug, they he hugs her, which we hadn't seen that version of Oscar Isaac hug her at all. Mm, true. And I was like, oh, is this just going to be like a weird shell of a creature now? But I took from that that like they were going to kind of rebuild their relationship with wherever they were. Well, it seemed like they were going to rebuild it. They were going to pick things up where they were and try to. Yeah, and like the new versions of them, really. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I found it to be hopeful. What did you guys think? I Yeah, I'm, I totally agree. Um, a very hopeful movie. I do think there's like this like overarching sense of sadness about mm-hmm. this movie. Um or maybe like melancholy, well, sadness and melancholy. Oh, and I mean like very melancholy. That's a perfect word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, like the melancholy to me comes from the good the goodbye of the old self, the like mm-hmm. traumatized self. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you definitely form some ego and personality around that trauma, like when that's your experience. Um, but you have to like let go of that like self-identification of that thing mm-hmm. in order to move on. Um and so I think like that's where the melancholy comes for me. But also I'm thinking of the person who wrote this movie. And I can't remember their name right now. But like these other scientists who die along the way, I'm thinking about them as like, oh, these are sort of examples of people who like didn't survive their trauma. You oh, know? absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, like that is so, so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those things you're going to see as you're dealing with your own traumas is people who fail. <laughs> And mm-hmm. fail is even a weird pejorative version of that. So I don't really yeah, mean fail, but right, right. It, uh, it doesn't work out for them. <laughs> and Pete, this was uh, Alex Garland adapted the screenplay from a novel by Jeff Vandermeer. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, a novel I that I have never read. I haven't read it either. I've heard it's very different and very good. 
yes, I would actually be really interested to read it and uh, to see what liberties, you know, were taken with it. Yeah, I imagine it goes into yeah. so much more detail with everything. There's another line in the movie that I didn't say, which is essentially we've said this so many times already, but mm-hmm. um, one of the characters, when they realize that their DNA is being refracted as they're in the shimmer, says the person that started this journey won't be the one that ends it. Ooh, yeah. And if that's not like a perfect summation of like life, (laughs) (laughs) it's wild. It's wild to think about how many, you know, if you've you've kept friends for a long time or even family, you have to, if you have family that you keep in touch with and the ways that you all change in your life and how difficult, I mean, I've been on both ends of it. I've noticed people around me having difficulties with my changes and I've had difficulties with the ways in which people have changed for the better when I thought of them as not a good person mm. uh, in the past. And I don't know, every, every day I'm like, damn, life is long. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's like <laughs> yeah. so much keeps happening. And I really feel, I feel ill-prepared for how much happens. Like, I don't think anyone was ever clear about like how much changing there is, how much intense emotionality there is. No, art is short. Art has endings. Art is quick and gives you only the details and the specifics that they think will make you understand the plot better. Uh, you get plot points out of, a, out of an outline, and so all the details <laughs> and the small things get washed away, and life is a situation where you don't get to wash away details and you have to live them. I know, but I think a parent could have said that. <laughs> I think a parent should have said that. <laughs> I, I think it, I'm okay if like a two-hour movie can't prepare me for it, but I would have loved that instruction from an adult. At a that would have been age. cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's true. But I think it's a lot. It's also really hard for adults to come to terms with that. I think that's so interesting because I just don't understand any other way to. I mean. I just I, I can totally understand why people have a complete and total meltdowns because if you don't confront this, it's impossible to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, plus people honestly at some point people do elide a lot of things from their own lives because it's easier. Mm, interesting. You know, everything blurs no matter what if you take the same route to where you go. And people rarely take different routes. Hmm. I heard that he lied, Cozy. You're welcome. Word of day. (laughs) (laughs) We are killing it with our vocab words today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I also loved uh, that she had that tattoo uh, that she didn't have at the beginning of the movie. Uh, In the interrogation room, she had that tattoo, and then you're kind of, you don't realize it when you see it. And then at some point you see it on, I think, a guy in the video, in one of the videos. (sighs) Oh my God, Cozy, no that's a great shit. catch. That's why. Wow, yeah, I didn't catch that. That's actually the first thing that I saw in that thread from that pa- from those pack people. They mentioned a tattoo, and I was like, "What tattoo?" And then I went, "Oh my God, she has a tattoo she didn't have before. She got it from like the echoing of the DNA because that soldier in the video who had his guts uh, um, opened had that same tattoo, and it was an Ouroboros uh, infinity symbol. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, whoa, yeah." You know what I think is interesting, too, is like life, we are amalgamations of each other. None of us are having completely original thoughts from nowhere. Mm. You know, we have to bounce off each other. We're constantly bouncing off ideas. We are discussing a film that was based on a book 
filled with actors. I mean, think of the layers of interpretations it took to get us this finished piece of work. I mean, hundreds of people worked on this film, you know, and it was refracted through all of their lenses and all of their perspectives, the score and the coloring. And I mean, every little detail you can think of, the movie looks and sounds and feels the way it does because of each person's contribution to it. True. Very, very true. Yeah. It's true for all of us. Like we've all made an impact. Everybody you've interacted with has made some sort of a lasting impact on you to some extent, you know, uh, what we wear, how we dress like that, you know, we get those ideas from movies and magazines and Instagram and friends and what we find at the Salvation Army. Like, (laughs) yeah. And in some ways the shimmer is uh, going into the shimmer is accepting that you can be changed by people and realizing that people exist. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's so nice. Yeah, like I I feel like I've heard this uh, phrase before, like idiom, like you are like the sum of all of your experiences, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. if you keep if you keep living, if you keep experiencing, then like your natural like that sum is naturally going to keep changing over time. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a beautiful beautiful theme to this movie. It's such a beautiful movie. And then there was just one other thing I wanted to bring up, which is um, just the idea of the doppelganger, which is something that we see in films uh, dating back to, you know, very, uh, very long ago. (laughs) Something especially that we see a lot in horror. And um, in the book, A House of Psychotic Women by Kirla Janice, which uh, is one of my favorite books and I recently just talked about on the last episode uh, when I was discussing Secret Ceremony, um, she has a chapter where she talks about like doppelgangers in film. And there's a line here where she says, if the existence of a double is attributed to guilt over the difference between one's ideal self and one's actual self, then you can examine, um, basically like examine different desires. And so I think that's an interesting thing to think of in the context of Lena's character who's struggling throughout knowing that she had an affair, knowing that her husband and her relationship wasn't good when he left, feeling so much guilt over that. And I I think that there is um, a lot of struggle between Lena's ideal self and her actual self. And I think that that's feels like what she's confronting in the lighthouse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Are y'all like, do y'all fuck with Carl Jung? (laughs) I like (laughs) Carl Jung, but I haven't really uh, had a dive into his work recently. Yeah. Same. I like, I only, I only bring him up because my therapist is like a Jungian analyst. So she's like kind of teaching me about his philosophy a bit as we like do our therapy sessions. And like, he's all about like shadow selves and um, is kind of like the predecessor to like this type of therapy called internal family systems. Oh, Um, yes. Yeah. Which, yeah, is maybe like more familiar uh, terminology nowadays, but it's just like, it's this idea that we are like this collection of a bunch of different selves that like maybe got locked into being at some points in our lives. So like each person has an inner child, each person has like, an inner saboteur. Um, and there's kind of these like 
uh, roles, I guess, that like the self can take. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. As as we're talking about um, this film and like the idea about like transcending from oneself to another, I just like thought it would be interesting to like bring some young to the table. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. Wow. I love that. Yeah. My therapist and I talk about family systems therapy stuff as well. And like, cause I find it really stressful to go back home and then all of a sudden I'm in the role of like who I was when I left home. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. It feels smothering in the way that the, the lighthouse scene where you're watching her be smothered. I feel like I'm constantly being chased by like a person I'm I, I don't know. I don't even know who she is anymore. <laughs> like, I remember her, but she's, like, not me, you know? Yeah, completely. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, – the ways that we change are so weird and the ways that we calcify are also so weird. And it's very easy not to struggle with uh, those changes and to just kind of let things exist, you know? Like, I still have a lot of visions of myself – or the way that I see myself in a lot of ways is still um, – guy who does this or guy who does that. And it's like, oh, I haven't done that since I was a kid. Why would I still see myself that way? And the answer is because mm. personality is constructed in such weird ways, but it also stagnates in such weird ways that we're never aware of. <laughs> yeah, I had a total identity crisis during the pandemic of, and this is the most um, superficial thing. This isn't a serious thing. Uh, but I, you know, I have a very specific look. I had my platinum hair for most of my adult life. That's very much who I saw myself as a platinum blonde. I have clothes that go with my hair. I have outfits, fashion, pictures, pinup things, you know, everything about the way I saw myself was very much as like a, a blonde, like a blonde bombshell from the 60s, you know. And I couldn't get my hair done during the pandemic. Like a lot of people couldn't, really the least of our worries. But um, at a time when you needed some safety or like just some reassurance, having like my features change and my hair grow out and like, like dark hair grow in, it started freaking me out so much. And I just kind of tried to go with it and experiment and I ended up dyeing the blonde parts orange and now it's totally grown out. And I, I still feel like I'm having an identity crisis. Like every other week I'm like, who am I now? <laughs> like, I feel like I'm like, should I go back or is that? Or can you not go back? Is there only forward? What What do I do now? Like I've never, I've always known like every month I go and get my hair bleached. And it's <laughs> such a small thing. But it's, it's, I mean, trying to be very honest about this because I know it sounds silly, but it's just like this simple identity marker that I just really am like, oh God, I feel like a different person now. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't sound at all silly to me. That makes perfect sense. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally makes sense. Once I like figured out I could grow like even just the wispiest of mustaches, like I cannot not have a mustache. Now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's there's no going back. Yeah, the ways that we can control presenting ourselves matter a lot, especially when we make those kind of big choices. And it's like, this is who I am. This is a big choice to be more who I am a little bit. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. once you make those big choices, it's easier not to because choices are big and scary and have to do with the future and, and the unknown. And I know this very well as a person who uh, wore sweatpants for, an, for most of my childhood through high school and a lot of college. And 
then wore a lot of very boring pants for a long time and finally bought a pair of jeans at age 36 for basically the first time. Wow. And you're like, I'm not the sweatpants kid anymore. Right, exactly. And I'm not the, I guess, normal pants person. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, big choices are strange and they happen more often in times of trauma with pandemics and stuff sometimes, I guess. When, but, but I mean, it's not just a type of trauma. It's also a time of being locked into places where you want to feel change and power and control of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my life has changed so much over the last year. And that's not even talking about, like, the death and the sadness and things like that. Just in my work has changed a lot. My days have changed. My I have totally different routines. I feel like I actually can't make a routine because expectations keep changing. And it's um, a really difficult time if you're somebody who wants to lock into uh, an identity <laughs> around your days and your life. You kind of, I'm trying to learn how to be very like, who is Luce? I am Luce in every moment, no matter what I do. Like whatever choice <laughs> I make is a Luce choice. Nice. Like, <laughs> seems healthy, but also like weirdly revolutionary to my like snail brain. That's just like, no. <laughs> you are only Luce if you do things this exact way you've always done them. <laughs> of course. That's everybody. It's fascinating to see people break out of it. This movie is perfect, you guys. I was going to say, <laughs> this is like the right movie for this episode. <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. Oh, my crying. Oh, my God. It is. And we just came up with it today. <laughs> yep. It could have been yeah. it. It could have been a lot of other movies. You never know. <laughs> Oh, I just think it's wild that we've been talking about it the entire, like the last two years. The three mm-hmm. of us have been like, we fucking love this movie. Right. I did a whole other podcast about this movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. What was it? I was on an episode of this podcast that I produced called Crush Fictionally. It's really funny. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, with these two great, two great women hosts, Kimberly Trong and, um, oh my God, I'm blinking on the other host's name. I'm going to edit this out later. Um, <laughs> I, I think I this like is edit. the same person who I blank I blank on the name of sometimes, but think is a really great person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, they like discuss like fictional crushes they have, and mm-hmm. the theme was aliens. And I was like, the best alien I've ever encountered is like the alien from this movie. Ooh, hell yeah! Oh. Yeah. Yes, this is one of which my is basically aliens. the shimmer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of in love with the shimmer. Embrace the shimmer. Embrace the sham. You gotta go in. Who knows what it'll be? Um. Oh man, I did. I. It's so hard to leave this podcast. I've been thinking about this like, I the whole month where I was just like, oh, I need. I kept seeing texts from you guys when I was out, and I'm like, okay, I gotta text them when I get home. And then as soon as I got <laughs> home, there was another thing, and then a week would go by, and you'd be like, hello, are you alive? <laughs> question for us and I'm like totally as soon as I'm done driving I'm going to answer that question (laughs) got thrown into a new thing and I was like I this is I think this is going to last a while and I love these guys and I can't have them waiting on me to figure my shit out and I I was in that like I felt like my life has changed so much in the last six weeks and it's been really like scary and exciting but also like I love this podcast I love Talking about films, it's my favorite thing. It feels like a really big part of my identity. This is like the first podcast that I made all on my own. Not all on my own, but I mean like not that I was guesting on. Obviously, we made it together. But all that to say I hadn't had a podcast that was just, you know, something from my brain. 
uh, and it's sad. It's sad to leave. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be, if that makes sense. <laughs> it absolutely does. Oh, mm. yeah. It's sad to lose you. Thank you. <laughs> what, um, I would love to just talk about like for a couple minutes, like favorite episodes or favorite movies or movies that you got turned on to because of this podcast. Um, I'm going to kick it off and say, I love the episode that I did with Pete, uh, and call me by your name. <laughs> yes. Uh, cause I felt like it was us doing a very similar, I like when doing movies, <laughs> when you and I do movies, Pete, I feel like we're very like vibes oriented. We're <laughs> <laughs> so like, mm, yes, the water, mm, the sculpture, mm, caress it, feel it, taste it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's my entire like brain for you right there. I feel like I've just like got himbo brain these days so like i like look at like look at a movie and i'm like oh pretty colors we'll talk about that oh my god and cozy one of my favorite movies that we did together was when um oh this is different actually this is when annie came on the podcast and we did alucarda yes and i feel like we Helped you discover a possible blood fetish. Uh, yeah, I was going to bring that up too. That was super fun. <laughs> <laughs> that I talk to Annie every now and then, and I've been on her podcast since then, and it always comes up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I was, one of the most memorable experiences for me. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely thinking about that the other day. I mean, I have like a, a tube of fake blood in my closet, so every so often I'm like, oh yeah, or I'm I went to some like Halloween party that wasn't a real Halloween party. It was just like a birthday party that was Halloweeny, and I was like just had fake blood all over my face for it. And I'm like, you know what? That was nice. That's a good time. <laughs> yeah, you're like I like being covered in blood. <laughs> it's the best, honestly. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. That's so awesome. Oh yeah. Um, I was thinking about, uh, I, I put together a bunch of moments and I was thinking about some really great stuff that happened during this. And honestly, the, one of the ones that stuck out the most was watching your cat throw up oh during my God. the podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you remember what episode that was? I don't have a clue. One of the early ones, mid, mid to early and just experiencing that all as a group and being like, we're not going to stop this recording. It's happening and we're going to live it out. <laughs> I think that was like around the time of Speed Racer, although I don't know yeah. if it was Speed Racer. Definitely. Yes. That sounds very right. That's yeah. true. Oh, my God. That was so funny. R.I.P. Baby Kitty, who oh. passed away last oh, summer. Baby Kitty. So bad. Baby she was Kitty such forever. a big part of the podcast when we were recording at my house. Oh, yeah. Oh, she was always sleeping, on your, always sleeping on your backpack, Pete. Mm. Yeah, I what know. A sweetie. I know. <laughs> Um, oh man, uh, I really loved when Cozy, when you and I did, uh, me and you and everyone we know. Mm, yeah. Uh, I felt like that was not a movie that our former co-host Nick was, I don't feel like that interested in. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. And you and I were just like so lit up for it. <laughs> and I, uh, I don't remember if we actually convinced him to watch it or not. I don't think he ever did. Uh, <laughs> but it was, I don't know, I just had this fun memory of us like, and then this part, and then this part, and this <laughs> part. And I really love that. That's what I really liked about, you know, the format of this show is like when you're talking to a friend about a movie that you love or like that's special, that enthusiasm is so contagious. You know, I've worked at video stores for about 20 years off and on. 
And that is like how you convince people to rent things, you know, or people always want recommendations. And it's like, I employ that kind of enthusiasm with my coworkers to like get people to rent movies I want to watch or I want them to see. And I loved doing that with you, uh, especially about that movie. Cause it's such a weird one. Same. Absolutely. And just like bringing our own Miranda July histories to the table was very fun. Yes. Oh, bless Miranda July. I love her oh, so much. Same. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I really, um, I loved, uh, Let's see. I love the 50th episode a ton where we were just challenging ourselves to go really fast. Oh, my gosh. Was that when we talked about every movie that both of us had seen for like 30 seconds? That is correct. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was wild. Perfect I was thinking chaos. about that the other day, too, because like every time I see one of those movies that was on that list, I think of like a one word, like the just the one line of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Amusement yes. Park, uh, in love. <laughs> uh, Bill Hader was there. <laughs> they were screaming. It was great. <laughs> that was a fun one to edit because I think didn't I do like a like a ding after each one or something? Yes, yes. Oh. Yeah, that was that was really fun. It was amazing. That was fun. I hope people like that one. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they did. Oh, be fools if Can, they didn't. What What about cats, y'all? Like cats was like. So yeah. iconic. I feel like we all really got to share that experience together. Yeah. yeah Cats, I think, is definitely the most iconic. Just getting to, like, have you convince the three of us and then have us all go see it together. I mean, there's nothing like that. Yeah. All going and seeing a movie is super fun. We haven't done it since. We need to do it again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I would we definitely saw that. Down. Oh, Wait, yeah. That one weird one we that we saw. we see that like oh rom-com God. the one we saw before it yeah before like we, boss. we tried to go see cats like a boss the theater was flooded and the only theater that was <laughs> not flooded was showing like a boss so. yeah. oh my god and didn't like lisa kudrow pop up at the end and we were like yes. oh my god yep. lisa kudrow cameo and you and i were sitting next to each other i think we were both stoned and we were like <laughs> yeah. like smacking each other we were like ah, lisa kudrow like definitely my favorite moment same wow. that was such a fun week and then we got to go to cats the following week at where did we see oh at the two dollar theater in noho oh uh, yeah yeah that was so funny the floor was so sticky nobody there gave a shit and like people were just doing oh. bits like <laughs> <laughs> i wish i could remember because like somebody would say something in the audience and everybody would laugh and i got a line in i wish i could remember what it was because i said something and it made all the people around us laugh and i was like oh i'm a genius <laughs> yes oh that was a good moment <laughs> feels so oh. good to make strangers laugh in a movie theater it's like such a specific itch for me Truth, <laughs> like a, same the perfect yeah. movie reference <laughs> oh yeah um let's see i loved having jen saunderson on uh talking to her about torso was definitely really fun and i love that you brought a guest on cozy that i didn't know and then she and i immediately bonded and we talked about horror movies for like half an hour before we even started the episode on torso oh yeah it was really fun to explicitly bring on a guest in order to make her become your friend like very good friend <laughs> And it worked. I'm then we so went glad. And saw Torso in the theater together uh, last month. It came full circle. Yes, amazing. <laughs> were oh, there any movies that you guys were convinced to watch that you were like, yes? 
now I, my life is better. I have to say thank you to Cozy for Princess Mononoke because Ooh, yeah. I had not seen it before the episode that we did on it, and you totally convinced me, and it's now in my top ten. Ooh, so the best. Aw. Yeah. That's so sweet. Oh, I'm so I glad know. to hear it. It's so it just it lasts forever, that movie. It's so good. Oh. It's beautiful. There's so much replay value to that movie. True. Oh, I um, still need to see it. And you definitely need to see you it. You do Absolutely. need to see this. <laughs> so good. Um, I love Never Let Me Go. It was perfect and sad in all the right ways. Oh, so sad. <laughs> yeah, that one I bring up all the time. Another Alex Garland. Oh, yes. That was an early Alex Garland. And also adapted from a... Um, pretty different but still sci-fi novel he's good at adapting the man he really, knows is adapting <laughs> he really is um i was trying to think of the one uh, i watched something recently that uh you recommended that i really got into and now i i'm having trouble oh <laughs> suspiria i loved the 2018 oh, suspiria yeah. so good oh i i Really wasn't totally convinced to watch it until that episode, and it still took me a little while more of simmering on it. Oh, sure. And then, oh my God, was it disturbing, but also so <laughs> beautiful and historical in a really interesting way, and so different from the original in a way that I found really like that comforting isn't right the right right word, but I found it nice. It was like I was watching a different movie. I really liked seeing a new person's interpretation. It wasn't really like a remake, you know. It was no, like not a, at all. Yeah. Yeah, reinterpretation, which I think we should be open to. Um, I think remake sort of has a stank on it. uh, (laughs) True. Just sounds like it's going to be updated bullshit. Um, But this wasn't that. Uh, We love Luca Guadagnino on the podcast. Accurate, very. (sighs) Yes. So true. I mean, I got to say, have you guys seen I Am Love? No. Okay, that was like 2010, 2011. That was my first experience with Luca Guadagnino and Tilda Swinton is starring in it. And I saw it with somebody that I was kind of dating at the time. And we just like, my God, I... It hit me so hard. I had such an intense reaction to it. And then I was really nervous about how they were going to react. And instead of being like, ugh, they were like really into like how worked up I got over it and like how much emotions it brought out for me. And it was like such an incredible experience. But it's really beautiful. If you want to have some feelings, then uh, definitely watch I Am Love. I always do. Okay. <laughs> I don't always look for feelings, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm in the mood. Yeah. That makes sense. I am, I am very much one of the only people who is constantly seeking out, leaning into all the feelings. <laughs> oh, I am. I, I feel like that's the time when I really let myself cry is when I'm watching movies. Oh, so yeah. I was just thinking, I'm like, yeah. I can't wait to bring all my uh, annihilation notes to therapy tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good choice Uh, amazing um and speaking of crying it was great crying about the before trilogy with you that was so nice such a good connection moment so fun oh i really did love that episode cozy that was really special it really was (laughs) we did really connect over that i really love how like both of us are hopeless romantics oh completely (laughs) I think that drove a lot of our picks throughout 
uh, these last couple of years is oh, like no doubt <laughs> intense feelings and like really sweet, earnest, sincere romances. <laughs> the movies people need to see. Oh, I agree. I I just want everyone to be like a little more sincere and a little less like cynical. That would be really nice. It's true. I think film can help. <laughs> so much. Um, well, you guys, we're we're getting into the two hour mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else we want to say about our time together with you need to see this, or should we uh hit them with the socials? I the only thing I want to add, because I was looking through all the episodes and it made me so nostalgic, but like, yo, how nice was this to do like throughout the pandemic? Like I was looking throughout all of our episodes like last summer. This like mm-hmm. for me at least was like a great sense of continuing normalcy in a time of my life that was so abnormal. Oh and god, I, yeah. Same. You know, like jobs were lost and you know, lockdown was happening and we lost our theater. Get, like we lost we all, our theater. <laughs> we all regularly were at UCB and it's was it's gone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, we had this sense of normalcy we were doing once a week or twice a week at at whatever point it changed. And yeah, it was something I always like look forward to and was really grateful to be a part of. So so thank you guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Pete. I totally agree. And what was so cool about doing it, I mean, we did the majority of this podcast through a pandemic. Like we started in like September, October of 2019, and then we only had like five months, six months (laughs) of it in person. And then the majority of this podcast has been off, off in our own closets, (laughs) in our own homes. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. And we got to have guests still all last year. We had incredible guests and like got to, you know, have people we wouldn't have gotten to have otherwise. It opened us up to lots of possibilities. And it, for me, it like deepened some friendships. Like Annie and I became better friends. Josh and I became better friends. Like I really felt like I got to connect with people. And and all the people you brought on, Sam Gash, Michael Hearn, like as Jen Saunderson, like I just – I don't know, getting to hear people talk in depth about film and about how it hits them like emotionally and what it brings up for them and, and why they think other people, what other people could get out of it. I just think it's very intimate in like a like a safe and comfortable way, like a really great way to see people's insides without getting, you know, too much into trauma. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well... You guys, if you've seen Annihilation, you should hit us up on our socials. Uh, Twitter, Need to See Pod. Instagram, Need to See Pod. We've got a Facebook group and a Facebook page you can like as well. Um, You can still find me at LTB Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm still going to be, you know, I still work at Videotech. I'm still going to be thinking about films all the time and uh, wanting to convince people. So, Please come to me still for recommendations. <laughs> and I would love to come back on the podcast um, as a, either a fill-in if you need a, another guest host or just as a guest. So don't forget about me. Oh, absolutely. That would be wonderful. The more the better. Yes, please. <laughs> Where can people find you, Cozy? Do you want to plug anything? Um, Just the usual junk. Uh, you know, I'm hosting the Cyber Jam every Monday on uh, on the Pack Theater's Twitch. Super fun. Come do improv with me, etc. 7 o'clock Pacific time. <laughs> Pete, what about you? What's going on in your life? 
Um, y'all, like, you can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, at Mittenberries, like uh, mittens you wear in the winter, end of strawberries, raspberries, put those together, you get Mittenberries. That's my <laughs> handle. Um, and then follow me on uh, Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you like. My um, artist name is PB, which uh, was really smart on my part, given that there are like 500 other PBs. <laughs> um, so you've got to do a little bit of digging. But I promise you, if you put in PB um, and then you put in the word parallels, you'll see my uh, latest record in parallels. Um, it's so that's, beautiful. That, that's the right it, one. Check it it's out. It's gorgeous. Just such a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. It's a terrific album. Yeah, well done. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means, uh, that means the world to me. And, um, yeah, there's more coming. There's a, there's a new record coming out probably, um, early next year. So. Damn, that's so impressive. Fantastic. (laughs) Incredible. Um, yeah. Well, you guys, I just want to say like how much your friendship means to me and yeah, I'm sad now. I'm going to (laughs) cry. Yeah, no, same. this was really nice. This is really special. And um, oh. I just feel like it's uh, it's it's hard. The world is very difficult. And uh, you are people that I feel like I can I've been able to grow with, you know, cozy. We've known each other for it feels like the whole time I've lived in L.A. We've done improv together, sketches, uh, hung out outside of shows for hours and talks <laughs> like I really, uh, really appreciate your friendship and your just support you've seen me through a lot of bad times and it was fun to get to do something just very celebratory together. And Pete, I feel like we connected, like we were on a different, I met you through a different podcast and, um, I was kind of like, Oh, he's fun. He might be fun to work with on this podcast. (laughs) And I just like, I just adored you right away. And I just have enjoyed like getting to grow our friendship through making this and making it's always Halloween together. And just like, you're truly one of my most favorite people now and like such a big part of my life. Like you're both, I don't know, feel like family to me in a good way. Mm, same. <laughs> Not a scary trauma way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't want to, you know, we, we change, things change, things will be different, but um, I really want you guys to still be in my life. Yeah, me too. Oh, same, same. I'll, yeah, you're stuck with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making this with me and being, you know, flexible and crazy and fun and smart and silly. And, uh, yeah, this is a really fucking great time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely was. Yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. It was so nice to be able to talk about, uh, punk and feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And the show will continue and it'll be just as amazing and even better as it morphs into its new shimmery form <laughs> with my with a doppelganger, me. <laughs> <laughs> working on it. Definitely working on it. <laughs> <laughs> working on crushing her now. Um, <laughs> um, so keep your dials tuned. Do not unsubscribe. Uh, leave us a five-star review. It helps people find the podcast. It helps people know that we're legit, which we definitely are now because we've been going for two years. Mm -hmm. And um, shout us out. Tell your friends about us. And, um, you know, keep watching films. Keep supporting art. Um, This is all we have is art, each other, and nature. So 
keep it keep it focused on what matters. <laughs> yeah, and keep supporting Luce and all her awesome uh, and all her awesome things that she's going to go and continue to do. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, I would love that. <laughs> you can follow everything I'm doing at LTB Comedy. Um, and hopefully, I-, I would love to come back, you know, in a couple of months and talk about Surprise. Hopefully, it'll be premiering in October. And I would love to have both of you there at the premiere. That would all be amazing. Both of those things. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll be there. All right. Well, uh, this has been. Oh, do we want to do a recommendation? Oh, yeah, my recommendation is uh, consume all media from Luce and Pete. Aw, that's so nice. (laughs) Prepared and everything. (laughs) Well, I mean, I got to do the same. (laughs) 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 I also recommend you consume all the media from Pete and from Cozy. And I guess, technically, I guess I made a recommendation of I Am Love, but all of Alex Garland's (laughs) movies, too. (laughs) Uh, Pete, do you have an extra recommendation? I mean, watch like every season of Top Chef. It's totally worth it. <laughs> oh my God. Perfect. I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks so much to our incredible sound engineer and our editor, Pete Burns, our Thank co-host. You, <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks. This was so fun. <laughs> I love so both fun. you guys so much. And um, as you said, Luce, this was like a really like lovely excuse to get to know both of you better and to like deepen our friendship. I feel like as a podcast editor or whatever, I look for projects where I like really, really like the people because you like listen to their voices a lot in the editing bay. Um, (laughs) So um, it's like my deepest expression of love to like work with, uh, with you guys, you know? Oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you to my co-host cozy. Uh, mm-hmm. it's been a delight. I look forward to going to the movies with you very soon. Same. That would be amazing. Thank you so much for, uh, like 93 episodes of fantastic work. <laughs> amazing. My God. 93. Yeah. Uh, oh. sorry to bail right before we hit a hundred. No, that's okay. That happens. That's life. Uh, uh, <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, thank you listeners for uh, being so awesome. I've made a lot of friends from people who have just reached out and said that they love the podcast and now are like legit social media friends that I regularly talk to about film mm-hmm. <laughs> and like people who come to video tech who have, have been like, Hey, are you Luce? I listened to you. <laughs> I heard you talk about video tech. Like that's so cool. And so thank you for listening and for loving films and for meeting us where we're at. And, um, Tune in next time. I'll miss you guys. I miss you too. Bye. It was mutating our environment. It was destroying everything. It wasn't destroying. It was changing everything. It was making something new.